Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is People Every Day. Coming up, Bill Cosby is being released from prison after a Pennsylvania court overturns his sex assault conviction. Plus, TLC cancels the Duggars reality show. And Tamar Braxton talks putting her life back together. The shine is around the corner. It's June 30th. Hello, everybody, and happy Wednesday. This is People Every Day. I'm Charlotte Triggs, in for Janine Rubenstein, who I must say picked a great time to go on vacation. There's tons of breaking news happening today. Now, we thought the big news of the day was Smallville actress Allison Mack being sentenced to three years in prison for her role in the Nixium case. But as we got ready to sit down and record this, we were hit with some bombshell news. Bill Cosby is being released from prison after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court vacated his sexual assault sentence, saying he had an unfair trial. Joining me now is People Executive Editor Alicia Dennis, who runs our crime coverage, as well as People alum Nikki Egan, host of the Chasing Cosby podcast, who's covered this case every step of the way since 2004. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Alicia, how did this happen? Yeah, this has been really shocking for all of us because, you know, he was up for parole last month and and that was denied. We didn't see this coming. What What's happened is that a deposition that he gave in connection to a civil suit that victim Andrea Konstad had filed, um, that deposition that he gave in 2005, this new case, the charges that were brought against him were based on information that he gave in that deposition. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said that that wasn't proper and vacated this conviction. So, okay, obviously, over the course of this scandal, 60 women came forward with similar allegations to this one woman, Andrea Constant, but it's her case was the case that led to the actual conviction. Nikki, I know you were one of the first reporters to cover the Cosby scandal way back when a lot of places didn't really think that any of it was, you know, for the mainstream and, and people weren't believing the women. Um, and you, I know you've spoken to some survivors today. Can you tell me how are people taking this? The shocking thing about this decision is what they based it on. The state Supreme Court is basically buying Bruce Castor's argument that this 2005 press release Castor issued in 2005 saying he was not going to charge Cosby was actually an immunity agreement. And when I was with people, I covered um, Castor's testimony uh, in February 2016 about this very issue. And the judge said to him, Bruce, you know, that's not how you do an immunity agreement. A judge has to sign off on immunity agreements and there at least should be a piece of paper with a number on it. And Castor's response was, I am the sovereign of Montgomery County, so I can do this. So that's the basis for them throwing out this 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 conviction and not just saying that they're forbidding the, the prosecution from charging him again. So I don't quite understand how they got there. Um, I would have expected, if anything, for them to throw out based on the five other women who are allowed to testify, the accusers. But um, it'll be interesting to see what the prosecution does because they can appeal. So it sounds like a lot of details are still up for debate. I mean, Alicia, you know, based on your kind of understanding of the case, do you think that that means that this might not be the final the final step here? Like, could it be that it's reinstated? Could it be argued to be reinstated? Or what's the next step here? What happens next? 
you know, I, I think that the crystal ball in this case is pretty cloudy. I mean, as Nikki was saying to her point, um, this the prosecution can't appeal. It's it's possible that many other you know decisions can come about that that change what's happening here, but. What you have to understand is these women who Nikki mentioned, you know, testified along with Andrea Constan. This was a real trauma that they went through. You know, this was really something that they felt that having this sentence and this conviction was was a real victory and a validation for the things that they had gone through and, and everything they'd suffered. Will they be able to testify again? Will that jury, you know, respond in the same way? There's so many unknowns here. Nikki, you've spoken to some of the survivors today. What did they think about this? Yeah, I've gotten a couple of calls and they've been posting because uh, I posted it on my Facebook as soon as I heard. They're really upset. They're they're really trying to understand how this happened. Um, they truly thought that this time, finally, they would get justice. And yes, Cosby has served almost three years of his sentence, but he was recently denied parole because he wasn't going to the sex offender treatment he was supposed to be going to. He was designated a sexually violent predator at sentencing. So, you know, once again, I think this shows also the power of celebrity. Uh, you know, there's still a lot of people who believe he is Cliff Huxtable. So we'll just have to see. Again, like I said, the prosecution can appeal. Um, we just need to, you know, see where that goes. But the, but the order, I mean, the decision did order him to be discharged and ordered that he um, not be tried again. And I don't know if the state Supreme Court can do that. I don't know if they overstepped by saying that. I don't know if they can just say his due process was so violated you can't even try him again especially when it's an immunity agreement that was actually a press release. What do you think the impact is going to be um, on the women to have to kind of go back to square one? I mean, I think they would do it again if that's that's what happened. I, I think that you need maybe more recent victims because Andrea's case was just within the statute of limitations for sexual assault in Pennsylvania. Um, but what's interesting is in the interim, um, since the case exploded again in 2014, a number of the Cosby survivors have gotten statute of limitations laws for sexual assault either eliminated or extended to 20 years. So there, I wonder if there might be, if someone could come up in that window. But as of now, she, her, Andrea's is the most recent case, and it's from 2004. You know, Cosby was a predator who had, the first known victim is from 1965. She was a 17-year-old virgin who, who was a fr- whose mother was a friend of Cosby's. And that's the, the, the pattern you'll find in, and that I write about in the book, is that he not only groomed the, the women, he groomed their families. There were a number of his victims who were teenagers. There was a modeling agency that was sending him a group of teenage girls every week while he was filming The Cosby Show in Queens. Um, many of them later came forward and said they were drugged and sexually assaulted by him. So, you know, I think I think we just have to wait and see, but it would have to be, you know, a more recent case or a case, you know, would be interesting. It wouldn't be something if it's like there's a more recent case within the statute of limitations that the Cosby survivors had the laws changed because that work they did wasn't for their cases that they they had no benefit from it. it that, that ship had sailed. This was like for cases that occurred after the law. Well, you got to commend her bravery for coming forward in the first place and for all the women that did share their stories. It definitely makes a huge impact. And, you know, we're thinking of them today as they're grappling with this news. Thank you guys both so much for being here. Um, and we'll pick it back up in a minute. Thank you. 
moving on to another topic today. The Duggars reality show Counting On has been canceled after 13 years on the air. Now, of course, this comes as the elder brother Josh Duggar is heading to trial on child pornography charges. Alicia, why did the network say they're canceling the show? Well, the network was just indicating that they felt that the Duggar family needed privacy in order to deal with what's going on in this case and felt like the best way for that to happen would be for there not to be any more cameras around. And we saw Ginger said she wholeheartedly agrees. And a few of the the women in the family have said that they agree, right? Like that seems like an interesting signal, right? That the family, the young women in the family are kind of over it. I think so. And as you know, you, there were issues that had come up with with Josh previously. There used to be, of course, the very popular 19 Kids and Counting that he was on and that Jim, Bob and Michelle were both on. And then when there were some accusations that were made public that the family felt um, were very private, that there had been some inappropriate touching that had happened with Josh. Then the network at that time, because 19 Kids Accounting had been, you know, very popular on TLC and was something that was doing very well for the network. They broke off and did the counting on, which was basically focusing on the older kids and did not have Josh and Jim, Bob and Michelle in it. So now I think they're coming to the place where they're realizing that even counting on can't continue to exist. Right. Right. And of course, yeah, counting on was focused on Jill and Jessa, who both came forward and shared publicly that they had been victims of their brother. Exactly. Also, what changed here is when the show started, as you'll remember, it was this fun sort of lighthearted thing that people would watch to kind of judge about how many children were in this family. But they also watched it for the fun part of watching this many kids get out of a van like a clown car and, you know, going to eat ice cream together, homeschooling and how do they make the family function. And so all the joy and happiness and kind of like um, escapism in a way, you know, that people were watching this for does not connect at all anymore. Alicia, what's next for the Duggar family? I know we know that Josh is headed to trial soon. That's right. Uh, and his attorneys were successful in having his trial date pushed from, it was supposed to start July 6th and now it has been moved till November 30th. And that's because his attorneys are saying that they have an independent firm, a computer forensics firm evaluating his computer and all of the evidence that prosecutors have said they've found there and that they need that time in order to prepare for the case. So interesting. Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much, Alicia, for being here and for sharing all that and getting into all that. Thank you, Charlotte. Next up, Janine sits down with Tamar Braxton. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Tamar Braxton is a survivor. The singer, podcaster, and former reality TV star is also People's Cover Star this week, opening up to our very own Janine Rubinstein about a suicide attempt last year and how she's grown from her darkest moments. Take a listen. Why don't you take me back to where you were in 2020? Um, Because I feel like I I get so many different takes on what that year meant to people. And in, in your in your case, uh, it, it ended up in the news. So, so so take me back to how how you were doing at the beginning of 2020 and take me through it. Well, first of all, 2020, for everybody started off all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we should have known January 1st. What is this getting ready to be, right? <laughs> um, it really got really tough um, around my birthday. I remember that's when the whole world shut down and my birthday is in March. Nobody was coming in, nobody was coming out. We were all gonna be in the house together. I was gonna become a school teacher, the lunch lady and tutor (laughs) (laughs) and figure out how I was going to complete um, the jobs that I already started in television. And, I think not just with me, but with everybody, you know, life started to get real, real, real fast. And um, even our spouses and the people that used to make us happy, we started to give them the side eye, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because there was so much time spent spent together. I remember putting out a tweet saying one time, nobody needs this much much time together. Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) At all. It's not safe. It's not healthy. And, you know, as a conclusion to that, not just my relationship, I feel like half the world's relationship relationships, um, you know, came tumbling down because I don't think that anyone was used to spending this much time together. And for me, I think that um, with all the pressures of this new pandemic and then um, finding my voice in Black Lives Matter and um, not being ashamed of, you know, going to uh, my bosses and telling them the things that were going wrong and hoping that they would pay attention. They didn't, but hoping they would pay attention and do something um, all of the things that we have been complaining about over the years. And um, I, I don't know about everybody else, but I know that that's when things started to really take a turn for me, when I felt ignored and when I felt like my voice didn't matter. T- take me into, because um, you had WeTV's uh, Tamar Get Your Life. And this was a show that came after you had had a previous show, of course, you know, the Braxton Family Values. You've you've been on, you were a host on The Real. You've been kind of living out loud on TV for so long. Um, what, what were the struggles that you were crying out for help for? Well, I was lied to, number one, and that was a big problem mm. for me. You know, without getting into it, because I don't want to, you know, it's a lot of legality, legalities that, you know, is attached to that still. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I... I was just kind of tired of the um, unfair treatment. And um, and I, I didn't think that as our relationship had developed over the years, it was necessary still to do, you know? Um, because I really wanted to um, do positive television and I wanted to have, you know, a show that was about um, uplifting single mothers. And, you know, when you don't have it figured out, trying to figure it out and not have so much drama and ridiculousness. And there was a lot of it that was created. (laughs) And I just want to be a part of that anymore. And that was that was voiced from the beginning. And it was almost like I was that wasn't almost I was shooting two different shows. So I was 
thought I was shooting a positive show, but there was another show that was being taped behind my back. You know, I've never done reality TV where they had hidden cameras in my house, you know, and I just thought that was an invasion of privacy, you know? Yeah. And recording conversations without knowing about it. And I just thought, you know, I had come so far in television and also on this particular network that that was that was not necessary. Do you feel like you were backed into this corner a bit uh, by, you know, whatever powers that be or producers in terms of creating this image of yourself that didn't look or feel like who you actually are? Yeah, because, you know, like even like after a scene and I'd watch it back it would be nothing like how <laughs> it really went down. You know, I started piecing words together and making sentences and making like, it was, it got really crazy. It really did. And um, I don't know, you know, I don't really kind of want to spend so much time on the negative because I'm in a totally different, you know, place now. But I understand you can't talk about that and not talk about the growth and where I am now because For I know sure. that I couldn't have gone that and be this person that I'm so proud of and so, you know, eager to talk about and be today. I love that. I love that. Well, well, tell me, tell me how you got there, honestly, because, of course, we saw things come to a head last year and, you know, fans were reaching out and, and just trying to send you positivity in just a very, very low moment, a dark moment in your life that you battled through, you got out of. Um, what did you do? What What was your first step? Um, in, you know, coming out of the hospital and saying like, okay, wait, I survived. I lived through this. This is what I'm going to do. Well, um, I chose, you know, to change my life, to be positive. And I chose, and I made the decision to not let this situation become my story, but to change my own narrative and be the best person that I could be. And, you know, back when I created the Braxton Family Values, um, it was, you know, to be an example, to be uplifting, to be inspiring, to be inspired. Right. And I finally saw an opportunity to be that without that, if you understand what I'm saying, without, without that Wow. And and have you felt uh, just the outpouring from from fans and from, I guess, people who've reached out, who have themselves been at the brink, you know, who have thought there was nothing else there and, and they've heard your story and been able to kind of see the other end of the tunnel? Yeah. You know, let me tell you something. I'm just going to keep it a foul foul with you. You know, that time in my life was so dark and so heavy. I didn't see how I was going to, you know, come out on the other side. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know that that were I didn't even know that it was another side because it was so it was so cloudy and so thick. And for people to reach out to me and people that you wouldn't even think that was going through things, you know, because you we've um, been able to mask things for so long, you know, Um it's been it's been a beautiful experience just to say, hey, I've been there, too. And look at me. I'm not where I was. And it's going to take a lot of work. and It's going to take a lot of sacrifice and dedication. But, you know, you're here. So it has to be done. You know, um, we all have a story to tell and you can either be a part of the story or you can continue to go on the path where you stumble and fall. And that's just not an option anymore. It's too much work to be done. It's too much healing um, that needs to be had. 
And um, if I can open the door to another person, opening the door for somebody else, I've done my job. And so I have those conversations with people and um, I talk about the uncomfortable to make them comfortable because, you know, my goal is to normalize uh, mental health. And um, and I I would like to say this right now, because, you know, I've, I've seen some things where people have come out and said jabs and try to um, shame people who have been open about mm-hmm. their mental health struggles. And I would just like to say at this moment, shame on you. Shame on you to that opportunity to stab somebody when they're already wounded. You know, um, our job as humans is to uplift each other and be there for each other. And if we continue to, um, I guess, in the sense to humanize each other, like what, where, what, what is your journey? What is your story? You know, you have to figure out your story, your own story before you start to um, talk about somebody else's and make them feel bad about theirs. So, you know, I just wanted to give that, you know, disclaimer because that, that was just on my heart as the Holy Ghost probably. But <laughs> I just kind of had to say because it's almost like we talk about our successes, we talk about our wins, but we never talk about the struggles and it, the struggles inside of the wins. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it, it is a struggle to get to the wins. And I know that, you know, when people are really, really working hard to get to the W's, it's always a hater. <laughs> Somewhere <laughs> close trying to stop oh, yeah. us getting to the shine. And I just want to say the shine is around the corner. Stay on your course. Stay, you know, um, step fast in your healing and you will get there. I had no idea there was another side. And I see the sun more than I see the clouds. So. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And 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 you you've talked about, of course, your mom and and your your son Logan Vincent Herbert. He is seven, and you opened up, and I thought it was so poignant last year, saying that you hear a lot of talk of saying, "But she's a mom." But you know, why would she be going through this? Why didn't she think? Of, and it, when you got to where you got to, it was because you were thinking about your son, right? You said that. When you had your moment in that hotel and you, and you were planning to take your life, it was because you didn't want him to deal with the portrayal oh, of you. Yeah, it's 100% correct. And first of all, it wasn't a hotel. We lived there. It was our house. Your house. And, Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. No, I, and I just wanted to say, because most people think that, oh, she went to a hotel. She probably took a bunch of drugs and, you know, she, she was on, you know, a binge. Da, da, da. No, it didn't happen like that. It was an everyday life, every day trying to figure out how to make it. Really, to be honest, um, it was tough. It was tough because how could I be this role model for him? How can I be his first example of uh, the woman in his life? And I'm disappointing him every day. How can he have friends come over to the house? How can how can his friends, mothers and parents respect me? And this is what they see every single day. No, they're not going to let their kid. I would let my kid go over, you know, um, a child's house. And this is what, what I see on television and within the betrayal of it all. No, I wouldn't. And so I just didn't want to continue to be a disappointment for him. Um, I know now um, things to be different. I know now that that probably would have destroyed him. I'm sure it would have destroyed him. Um, But, you know, my decision at the time was, you know, how can I be the best mother for him? And I just thought that if I can take it, take the embarrassment out of his life, then maybe he would have a chance, you know, to have the best life. 
Um, but now I know different. Now I know that the best life that I can set for him is to be the example for him and to take counseling and have counseling sessions together and show him how to communicate and um, show him um, how to be, you know, the best person that he can be, you know, Um, and that's not through trauma. That was Tamar Braxton. For more from Janine's exclusive interview, head over to people.com. And now something to make you smile. An officer in Arkansas is feeling the love from the community he's been part of his entire life. L.C. Buckshot Smith has served nearly 60 years as a police officer and is believed to be the state's oldest living officer. He's 92. So to celebrate his birthday, the city of Camden honored him with a parade. Listen to how he describes his purpose in life. I love to help people. I hope I live a long time and continue to help people. With his warm personality and energetic stride, he actually says he has no plans to retire. Well, that's all for now. Tomorrow, Janine is back, and I bet we'll hear all about her amazing trip to Mexico. See you then.